This podcast episode is brought to you by Breadmeat Skateboards. Breadmeat Skateboards is a local company built and founded in Amagansett by local Andrew Galtieri. Andrew truly has a passion for skateboarding. He actually high-quality veneers, presses, cuts, shapes, paints, and stains every single board that he makes. Actually gives you the custom ride that you need to rip around in Montauk Skate Park for the day. Whether it's you looking for your kids, yourself, or just giving somebody a sweet gift, Breadmeat Skateboards is the way to go. Get your custom-made board today. Check out breadmeatskateboards.com for more information. Welcome to another episode of Highly Educated, the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sherman. And tonight, we have a fellow local in the house, in the building, Jimmy Strauss. Jimmy Strauss is the vice president of the Worldwide Speakers Group in Alexandria, Virginia. Worldwide Speakers Group is a leading global lecture agency and trusted partner to elite professional speakers, providing distinctive performance and innovative solutions in the global lecture and speaker industry. Essentially, Jimmy wheels and deals the best talent in the game to match your budget. Whether it's you need a speaker for a big event, corporate sponsorships or more, Jimmy's got your back. And he'll do it all with a laugh and a smile, because that's the kind of guy he is. So without further ado, Jimmy Strauss. Jimmy, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, whatever, man. No, I'm just kidding. It's so good to be here. <laughs> thanks for having me. You're very excited. We're excited. So excited. We, we actually... Were go- we were going to do it around Christmas. Yeah. And then I got the novel you coronavirus. Got the itis. You got the itis. I got the itis. I got the Rona. And you couldn't record. And now we're redoing it, which, you know what? Even better. And now you're back. And now we're chilling. We actually just had a great jam session. Me and Jimmy. I don't know if you know... Jimbo here actually shreds on guitar, and I do play some drums, so we had a great little music jam session you right were, before this podcast. You were crushing it. We're, we're glistening in sweat right now from our <laughs> intense jam session. That we, it was really good, though. My Apple Watch asked me if we were working out about three minutes in, so that was pretty impressive. I'm pretty hyped about that. For, like, Obviously, Siri. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. What do you think? God, what are you doing? It, it felt good, though. Oh, sure. felt great. You just threw me back on all my nostalgic music jams. You I went know, through we like were, four decades worth of music. We in, did a tour. We did a, vi- we did a vinyl tour, I think. It was great. It was I, awesome. It should be a playlist of some sort on some app. I'm sure it Damn is. Damn it. Let's get paid for bo- this. Bo- boomer hits. Boomer hits. Now, now 69. <laughs> now, that's what I call music. <laughs> Everybody remembers that. Like can, it's their day. Can, they still have them. They still have the now. Yeah, I think they're like on 475 now, but they're still going. You know, my first my first CD I ever got that I remembered I love and I put in my little Walkman CD player was mm. Now 5 Christmas Edition. Mariah Carey was on there probably. <sighs> probably Mariah Carey. Maybe mm. a little Three Doors Down on there. Wow. A little Britney Spears. Britney Spears Christmas. <sighs> yeah. Pretty epic. The Walkman? What an era. I know. When you like Kids walked around know. the block with it and it just skipped all the time because it just the CDs were just and it would just well yep. you had to, you had to keep it upright yeah. otherwise <laughs> it would just stop you have to literally keep but, but it horizontal they a Walkman just stick with the cassette yeah I that's, agree that's where the cassette reigned supreme where people lost contact that's the cassette had its purpose that's before my time I don't even talk about old man. <laughs> <I'm> like two <laughs> years older I know you're like I remember I don't remember that at all. Fuck. But you've just, you know, been a friend of mine for years and we've always gelled on the music and gelled on comedy and gelled on all these little things. 
really coming back to full circle who you are, Jimmy Strauss. Jimmy has been in the D.C. area now for a bit, and he's been crushing talent agent, started in comedy, right? And then now you're doing motivational speakers and speakers of sorts. Yeah, so, um, well, going way back, my, my first job after college was working in real estate, actually. I was working in commercial real estate, Interesting. which seems like a different lifetime ago. Um, but then after I did that for a few years, I moved up to New York and yeah, I was first working at a record label, very short stint at a record label for a couple of months. Um, and then after that started working in the talent management space with mostly comedians. What was that like? And, and kind of how, what, what drew you to that industry? It's a good question. I, I think growing up, you know, I was always into comedy and music and movies and pop culture, but I, I don't know. I, I really had no con connection to it. I didn't, don't know how that's even something I would get into in the first place. Um, and then in college, really, I started getting involved a little bit in the music scene there. Um, I actually worked with an organization that put on concerts on campus, and that was sort of the first. You know, it still wasn't something I thought I would do as a career, but at least planted the seed of maybe doing something and, with the creative space was possible. And so there was college there, and what school did you go to? UNC Chapel Hill, UNC, North Carolina Chapel Hill. Yeah, North Carolina, yeah, Chapel Hill, right. And so with that, what made you kind of push to that? Did you just self-interest? You saw a flyer hanging and you were like, this looks cool? Or did a friend push you into it? Yeah, there was, um, I think it was my freshman year, there was an organization that had just started and they called it Carolina Creates Music on campus. And I remember that I think there was one student, a guy who I became friends with, David, actually, who was going to be the head of that organization, and he was sort of looking for an assistant director to help him out. And right. he was, maybe he was a junior, and I was a freshman, um, and I met with him, and that's how I got involved in that. So after working with that organization, again, it wasn't something, I still didn't think that it was something I was going to do as a career, but at least planted the seed in my head, so... After I graduated college, I immediately got a job working for a commercial real estate company, immediately got my North Carolina real estate license. So I thought I was out of school, and then all of a sudden I was back in the classroom getting a real estate license about you know a couple of weeks after that. And I actually enjoyed doing that. I worked you know in the commercial real estate space for about a year and a half living in Durham, North Carolina. Interesting. But And I knew – so I'd been in that area of North Carolina for – about six years at that point, I knew I wanted to move back up to New York, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew I was going to move, and a couple of weeks before I moved, I got an um, interview with a record label, Beggars Group. It's, it's a large independent record yeah. label group. Fantastic. And <clears throat> left my apartment and my job in North Carolina on a Friday, and Monday I was I mean, why wouldn't you office. for a major record label in New York City? I mean, come on, that's the dream. So, so you think, though, I will say, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience, I would say, working. It was a good sell, at least. Like yeah, you know, there, there were things about it that were very, very cool. Obviously, the artists were very cool, and the projects I was working on were very cool. I mean, I remember one of the first albums that I, I was in the radio promotion department. One of the first albums we did was Grimes's Art Angels, if you oh, know the artist Grimes, yeah, which yeah. Is, she's one of my favorites. Right. But it ultimately was not the right job. And, and so I knew I needed to, or I, I don't know if I needed, but I wanted to get out of there. And I actually took about a month or two off from there to try to find the right next opportunity. Um, and then that's when I 
found that opportunity working with uh, a talent manager who who mostly worked with with comedians. Interesting. And then you found this. Did you find comfort in comedians because you've always had this love for comedy? Was it like kind of an instant connection you felt with that space? Yeah, I just think when I saw that opportunity again, it's like going back to even working in music. I think when you're growing up, whether there's an art form you like or artists you like, you as a kid, you think there's no way that I'll ever be able to work with comedians or work with musicians or right. well-known artists or anything like that. So when immediately when I saw that opportunity, and, and I also really liked, you know, the guy I was working for, Peter, is, uh, you know, he's still a, a dear friend and mentor of mine. Yeah. So he really drew me to it, and, and I was very impressed with him, and uh, that's how I started working in that space. It's just so, it's so fascinating to see how people get to their little interests of what they really find in their passions and what they really love and how it all connects to kind of who they are. You really find this love in comedy. I mean, you're deep rooted in it where you're a funny fucking guy. And we've talked basically our we're based our friendship, I would say, on a lot of comedy and funny things and sure. music, too, as well now through the years. But it's just so great to see somebody discovering that in the passion in themselves and kind of applying it to a real life situation where now you have a career doing it or a job doing it and then taking it from comedy. But you transferred. So you, you did comedy and now you're in the space of uh, speakers that's yeah. you you're a talent agent for speakers yeah and explain a little bit about that and kind of what that is so you know I'd, I'd been working in the talent management area for I think it was about a year and a half or so and you know it's it's a it's a great business to work in working with comedians but it's tough obviously because you know we all think oh comedians and you're thinking of the Chris Rocks and the Jerry Seinfelds, but the vast majority of comedians are working comedians where you're on the road, you know, let's call it 40 or 45 <laughs> weeks a year, and, and it's a grind. And then obviously if you're their representative working with them, I mean, it's very fulfilling, but it's a tough space to, to be in. So Very um, demanding. It, it, hugely demanding. So, and again, I really admire people, whether they're on the, you know, the artist side and they're the comedian or they're the people you know, the representatives or tour managers making it happen. Um, and it was sure. a great experience. But I knew that I wanted to change. And I was actually, for a while, I was thinking I was going to get out of the representation, you know, arts space altogether. I There was a period where I was, you know, thinking maybe I'll go back into a real estate in New York City. And I, I mm. had interviews with, you know, some different real estate companies and other types of businesses. And then I found this opportunity with a speakers agency in New York City, interviewed with them. And, you know, from my time working with comedians, I sort of had a certain skill set that they wanted in terms of essentially being a tour manager or an events manager, I guess you can say. Right. And then I started working with them. And about two, I think it was my second week at that company, they announced that a much larger talent agency was acquiring them. <laughs> and I uh, said, oh, I guess I'm on the job. Right. I'm on the job market again. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> wow. And it ended up, you know, it ended up working out in the long term because that sort of created other opportunities for me to sure. be an agent at this larger company. And there were certainly people who advocated on my behalf. So it was a mixture of, you know, right place, right time. And also, you know, people sort of being in my corner who were maybe in a little bit more of a position of influence, let's say. 
Right. Um, but it ended up working out in the long term. And, you know, now I've been, you know, working with comedians for about five years now. So, yeah, that, that's incredible. And and just to see the progress, too, from starting it from seedling. It's like you, you kind of saw this as, eh, you know, I don't even know if I'm really interested in this. And then you kind of slowly took it on and just took it step by step, day by day. And you developed a kind of passion for what you're doing now. And now you're kind of centered on what you really want to do. And it's just about the next step, like you said, just kind of coming back into what that next level is and, and, and adapting, you know, what you've applied from over the years of doing this. And now you can take it to that next little step. That, yeah. That's what all we're trying to do. Right. I mean, yeah, no doubt. And I've been, I've been lucky in, in that, you know, it definitely didn't happen on my first, you know, I've always been jealous of the people who immediately, you know, either even before college, they know exactly what they want to do or it's the, you know, they get Total it right, they get it right on the people. first time after right. college. And that certainly wasn't the case for me. I, you know, I've worked in, you know, a couple of different industries at this point, but I do consider myself lucky that I found, you know, a business that I really like working in. You know, I, I've told this story to a lot of my, you know, friends and family before, but I remember when I was working in real estate after college, we had our national sales meeting in Dallas. Yeah. It was all the salespeople from the real estate company from across the country, across the world even, who came to Dallas and they had all these motivational keynote speakers you know, they had former Olympians, former professional baseball players come and speak to us at this national sales meeting. And I remember thinking to myself, how cool is it that these famous people just out of the goodness of their heart want to come speak for us? That's how much they love our company. And obviously, I was just a naive, naive idiot <laughs> and they were getting paid handsomely. Holy shit, there's a business model behind I, this? I didn't know there was a whole industry behind that and you know that's that's the world that I'm in now and I you know I do love it. I love this business that <laughs> I'm in, but it was just um you know it's a, it's even if you're at a company where they're hosting big meetings and they're bringing in whether they're famous speakers or, or motivational keynote speakers, um it, you don't think of it as it's it's sort of a whole industry. In New York, sometimes you get those like super sketchy motivational speakers at the school where there's some guys like, yeah, I'm Joe Contrelli and uh, I'm from. He's like, don't do drugs. Yeah, don't do drugs. But I was also Usher's Coke dealer in the 80s for five years. You're you, like, what? You know, it, it, you have to admit for like some of those like speakers at those events, do you think they're ever offended that they're like, hey, like you come speak to our school about what not to do? <laughs> I'm sure some of them are like, yeah, sure, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah, like I'm sure Vanilla Ice gets that call. Oh, Vanilla Ice is <laughs> he's he's still milking it to this day. I don't and I don't blame him. Hundred percent. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, for sure. Can we talk about like the levels of that business? Let's talk about the dynamics of that world. I mean, clearly you're involved in this, and it's so funny just seeing. Because, you know, you don't speak to too many local kids that get dived into this kind of industry. So what do you kind of give us the rundown, kind of the idiot's course of what this kind of entails? How do you go about corresponding to book people? How do you reach out? What's the process like? Is it a weeks long thing? Is it a couple days? Is it months? Like, how do you do all this? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a couple of different ways to look at it. I mean, basically, you know. What I do and, and what people who do what I do, you know, is most of us work at companies where we represent speakers who are sort of on our exclusive roster. And those are everyone from journalists to thought leaders to academics to professional athletes, right. celebrities, actors, etc. And then, you know, there are 
you know, customers or buyers out there. And, and, you know, there's a couple of different big sectors in our business. There's the corporate space, you know, corporations and companies who are hosting events. There's, you know, that's the first one. The second one I would say is the the academic space. So colleges right. and universities. There are also some, sometimes there are prep sure. schools and high schools who are hosting events, but generally colleges and universities. Right. Um, and then the third big sector is, and this is the one that a lot of people, unless you're in this world, you don't really know or think about, but it's, it's national trade associations. Huh. So, you know, they're yeah. hosting, you know, at least one big, if not multiple, you know, big annual events where they're bringing in speakers. And this is a huge part of what they do because um, this is how they get, you know, their members to, you know, pay their dues and, and participate in being a part of this this trade organization. So whether they're in, um, you know, the education space or they're a, a finance trade association or they're a trade association for, for doctors or nurses. Right. It could be literally anything. Yeah. I mean, almost every industry, I mean, you name it, has a trade association and, you know, meeting is really what they do. So, you know, a huge part of my job entails, you know, trying to, I guess, uh, convince these folks that, you know, they should uh, work with us and, you know, booking booking their speakers for their events. Let me tell you why you want to work for Jimbo, okay? You want to work for Jimbo because Jimbo gets the job done. I mean... <laughs> Is that your did, elevator Did I pitch? send you my script? How do you know that? <laughs> Are you watching me? I wrote your sales script. That's actually. exactly my, my night might even be worse than that, but we won't. <laughs> we, I won't. No, no. I'm not giving out the secret sauce here. <laughs> Don't so, give out. Um, yeah, you're gonna have too much competition. Yeah, exactly. So what I I look at what I do is connecting people who are hosting events and want speakers to speak for their members or audiences with the right speaker. Sure. There. Yeah. Yeah. And that, is, that's just an easy way to boil it down. Yeah. And it's vitally important for these companies and for these spaces, verticals, whatever company you're working for or space you're working for. A lot of people underestimate that not all businesses have this self-formulated hustle ethic or like this Elon Musk or like this, like not everybody Steve Jobs, you know, we're not all just like out there trying to rip shithouse every day trying to crush everything we have it's like just you and me right just 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 a couple of us i guess but there's like normal fucking people out there that aren't psychotic that want just like regular fucking shit and just want like a nice work balance in life and that's a huge part of this right it's like you're trying to convince those people too as well that this is a good product or this is a good thing or this is a good so it's not just trying to fold to one demographic your job's important because you have to kind of decide for multiple demographics in one vertical. So it's it's, it's challenging that way, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, you know, there are, I mean, there are some events where it's really specific. Maybe this is, you know, let's say it's a, um, a tech company and this event is just for their sales team. And that's obviously a specific type of event. But very often we get asked about speakers for an enterprise or a company-wide event. And what the C-suite is wondering is, okay, well, obviously we're bought in. This is our company and we're running it. But how do we get everyone from the C-suite all the way down to the assistants or the temps bought in in whatever our mission is? Exactly. And how do we get them motivated to come to the office every day? You know, not to sound too romantic about it, but I think a really good speaker actually can have that effect. Um, and 100%. That's the, and that's what we're always 100%. hoping for. I mean, the power of speech. Come on. No doubt. We're, we're, that's why I have a podcast, right? That's we're why we're to, doing this thing That's why right we're, we're talking in these microphones, so hopefully somebody listens. Shout and, out. And enjoy. Sh I promise people shout outs. 
Go ahead. Do your shout outs, Jimmy. I, I don't remember who I promised, but shout out all of you. Shout out all of Jimmy's shout outs. I mean, you know speech is powerful. I know speech is powerful. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're not idiots. This is a great thing. People need to know certain things. People need to feel inspired. People need to hear stories from other walks of life and different people from themselves. All this thing is important, and I think you do the same thing in your career. You're basically applying different perspectives to people to inspire them, and I think that's true to any podcast or any kind of motivational anything, so it all makes sense. Yeah, no doubt, and I think you want to apply it in whatever you're doing as well. I mean, I don't think that necessarily a different perspective is going to totally change your life. But if no. there, if there's something you can take out of it and apply it to whatever you do, because sure. let's face it, a lot of these events are happening in the, in the professional setting. But if you can take some nugget that a great speaker has given you and think back to it or hearken back to it from time to time, I think it can be a, a value add for sure. You know, and I'm sure you know or have heard of him. You know who has always done that through the years for me? And I actually discovered him on YouTube like fucking 20 years ago. Eric Thomas. I thought you were going to say the guy who did the Unforgivable videos on YouTube way back in the day. Remember the Unf- guy? <laughs> Waffle fries. <laughs> Waffle free. fries. Man, uh, that guy. What? Imagine if we could do a Where's That Guy Now thing. I represent him. You re- <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy does not represent I him. Give, I won't give his fees out on a but, podcast. But, he, but, but, yeah. but yes, he does represent that guy. Yeah, he does parties. But um, Jimmy's a legend booking the waffle, waffle fry guy. That's him. But on a lighter note, did you see that Clubhouse booked Amy Schumer? I did hear about that. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty that. cool. Pretty big show. Big show for them. Yeah, I'm psyched. Mm. I love the club. Look, Clubhouse folks. What do shout you? Out, shout out Rubenstein. Shout out to old the family friends. It's just great to have a couple places that you can have comedy shows. I mean, how great is that out in East Hampton? I mean, you're from here. I mean, isn't it cool to have another venue at least? I don't even know where. I I think Bay Street Theater does comedy sometimes. Besides that, I don't even know what the other game is in town. It really is. Bay Street Theater. They do host pretty good comedians, too. I mean, I remember they had Lisa Lampanelli there. They've had uh, Patton Oswalt. They've had Jason Alexander. Actually, Jason Alexander is doing like a play there right now, I think. Really? or a Broadway show or something like that, or like a show, not a Broadway show, but like a show or whatever. Jason Alexander, thespian. Um, you know, I think that the venues out here definitely benefit from certain celebrities. You know, it's a trip to the Hamptons. And then you also get to do a show while you're out here, pick up some dough. So mix it up, a little comedian or comedy show is a good, I think it's a good idea. It needs to be more out here. I think comedy is kind of like a lacking thing out in the East End. You don't really see it. You have to go to the city to go to a great comedy show. I mean, think about it. You've lived in New York City. You've lived in D.C. I mean, you've lived in these big comedy areas that you can go downtown anytime, go to the comedy cellar and see an epic show for cheap 10 bucks. You can see like five comedians on SNL and like catch a couple famous Netflix special people. It's of like the insane. Best comedians in the world. Right. It's for like 10 a, bucks. It's a, it's, a who, it's a who's who. And then. You know, if you're in any other city, those same comedians will be touring the comedy clubs and it will be a $35, $40 ticket. So easily. If you're in New York City trying to catch comedy, you are very uh, lucky compared to people in most areas of the country. Absolutely. And and just to have that, it's it's weird how there's no expansion of that out east. Like there's no actual comedy clubs. There's no actual designated spaces for these types of events, which I think is funny because comedy is necessary, especially in this time, in this era that we're living in. Everything is so tense and everything is so uptight i think we all just need to laugh a little i think we all need to kind of share a little couple insights from each other and take a step back 
right? I mean, it's comedy is what's going to repair or fix or mend whatever is kind of in the middle ground. Because that's the one medium, right, where you can insult whoever or insult anything and kind of just see where it lands or see where the, the medium is. It's, it's, it kind of decides itself, right? It's like its own court jester. You're, you're, you're the gladiator of your own territory there. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with comedy. I worship comedians. I would love if we were able to be out here and see any sort of comedian. It doesn't even need to be someone super famous. But as you know, out here, someone when there's a need for something and someone just goes and does it, it's gonna. It would be a success. I think at least in the summer, as you know. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's hard to make a business go here twelve months out of the year. Sure. Maybe it's a little bit easier now that people have escaped. You know, the right. COVID ground zero of New it's, York City. <laughs> right. But I think it would be awesome, and, and you know, it wouldn't need to be a full-time comedy club, but it would be great if one of the venues out here, at least, besides you know, Bay Street, which has been holding down the fort on the comedy side. Or Clubhouse stuff. now, that's first first real Clubhouse. comedy show. You yeah. know, people are expanding. I, I just like that at least local businesses are giving it a shot. Why not? I think so, too. Utilizing space, too. I mean, you know, you've been around this town your whole life. There's not a whole lot of places for like cool, fun times, events, things on weekends. There's a very small list of kind of local things you can do that we all know that are fun and easily accessible. I mean, we can talk to you. I mean, what, you know, you've been out here for this week. What have you been doing since you've been home? Do you have any plans on the agenda? Anything to see while you're home there, Jimmy? Yeah, like hanging out in Herrick Park by the gazebo. <laughs> No, they burned that down. They burned it down. Oh, they burned the gazebo down? They burned everything down. They burned yeah, the trees. W- real real local I am. I don't even know. They what's burned going everything on. down. Scorched earth. You're, yeah. And they're building. To, did they like kill all the ducks at Town Pond? Like <laughs> No, everything is not Armageddon. Everything's fine. Okay. They are I re- thought you're just they, going out and burning no. trees and shooting ducks right no, now. No, no. They are rearranging Herrick Park, apparently. They're like moving a tennis court and like moving some softball fields and rearranging some grass or whatever. And you know, it's apparently gonna be great. It's gonna so be really we'll zen. Really zen. Yeah. Hopefully they put a stage there for comedy. But oh my god, man, Goldberg's Bagels. That's just such a such a staple out here. I mean, Local come on. Shout. Local shout out. I mean, when you bring your friends out or when your friends come and visit, what is Jimmy Strauss doing on a normal weekend? I think bagels are definitely part of it. Because if they're from somewhere else that's not New York, they haven't had a real bagel. Exactly. And and people try to emphasize, oh no, you don't know, it's not that. California is pretty good bagels. Yeah, no, it's not. no, it's not, dude. Einstein Brothers is sucks. Like it sucks. Anything you had sucks. It's fine if you're like a freshman in college, right? Like that's cool. Like we had high school bagels too. That's why we put chips on it. But like, <laughs> you know, but like when you get into the big leagues and you start stepping into Goldberg's turf, that's another level of bagel. It's a different type of cuisine. Different type of cuisine. That's fine dining. No doubt. So that's definitely a part of it. Fine, fine sure. breakfast dining. You're going to grab some Goldbergs. Then what are you doing after they grab some Bergs? I think we're definitely hitting the beach. Mm. Don't give out the local spots. No, give local. them the Kook beaches. Yeah, that we're going to um, Main Beach, <laughs> right the, next to the lifeguards. Then we're going right next to it. Yeah, we'll park that towel right down there. Where I used to work as a boy. Yep, on the beach. Shout out to shout, the, shout out Main Beach Pavilion. Yeah, what? They just revamped a whole thing. They got a concert series every week. They got full blown restaurant and food thing out of it. The sea camps are crushing it out of that little spot. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. They they um swapped over. No more Amagansett Beach Hut, but now they have the main beach hut, which is 
even bigger and more expansion and just it, doing some crazy stuff over there. So shout out to them. That's yeah, crazy. shout out. It's come a long way since I was 14 and yeah. working on the deck and buying dirty French fries. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> buying chicken fingers and cinnamon rolls every day. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a, splinters on the pavilion and yeah. What an yeah. epic spot. And then so you're taking the Goldbergs. So the beach, beach, beach is definitely a part of it. For sure, when I have friends visiting. It's a beach culture. I mean, you have to go to those little iconic beaches just to show them what's up. But then you, we know the local spots. The beaches out here are beautiful. Like East Hampton, the town of East Hampton's not paying me for this tourism ad right now, but the beaches <laughs> out here are incredible. True. And I'm reminded of it every time I'm back out here for sure. Pe- people, you know, it doesn't matter where they're from. They've probably heard of the talk house. So I have friends visit from anywhere and they want to go experience the talk house. Right. We were just talking about off air. Like you could be in like the middle of Bulgaria and be at a bar somewhere. They'd be like, you know, talk house. Talk house. You yeah. Know, you know, you know, <laughs> talk house. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. You know, Ruby Hunter camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ruby. Shout out Ruby. Love you, Ruby. Yeah, and shout out to the Encore Beverage. Epic drink. It's their new can cocktail. I haven't tried it yet, Ruby. I'm sorry. I'm going to try it sometime. I haven't tried it. I got them right now. I'm cracking open the can. We're going to give Jimmy a sample. But Encore. The perks perks of being a podcast. The the perks of being a podcast. perks are sick here. On Highly Educated. We interrupt this podcast to tell you about Encore by Talkhouse, a premium can cocktail of the Hamptons. With five exciting flavors, there's truly something for everyone. Whether you're hanging out at the beach, chilling at the boat, or maybe just hanging in your backyard, you really want a can of Encore in your hands. Reminding you of the Stephen Talkhouse on a Saturday night with the music blaring, it truly is the drink of the summer. Check out more on TalkEncore.com. So if you're bringing friends out, you want to go out, you bring them to the talk house in Amagansett. Now Rosie's is a great little spot, too, to catch a drink. That's a great little spot. They have great craft beer. I haven't been yet. Great cocktails, too. And they actually serve coffee late, which I actually really respect about a bar. I think all bars should serve a little bit of coffee at night because sometimes you just got to wake the fuck up, you know, and it doesn't always do it just having some water or soda or whatever. You know, you and I, we, we actually talked about this before we, we went on yeah, air. You're like I, don't, I don't mess with coffee past yeah. 2 p.m. You know, if I'm going to be cool, I'm going to say 2 p.m. Before afternoon, I don't mess with coffee. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you. But good for you. Good for we, you. Have yeah, your, we, we were talking have about your how 2 a.m. coffee. Good for you. Yeah, I could drink it at midnight and pass out like a, a baby. That's a talent. Know. I don't know. I don't know. Just caffeine, I guess, after all these years just doesn't hit as hard. I've just been drinking black the coffee. Tolerance, for... The tolerance is strong. That's what it was. College it was college, man. That's what it really was. College was like the black coffee era. Black coffee and black and mild. Uh, Damn. Uh, never again. You should bring that back. No. You don't think so? No. No thanks. I'm good. Good on that. Now on to quinoa and healthy things. Quinoa, kombucha. You Damn. Know? Dude, just getting really in my zone. Getting really chi. Getting really centered, you know? Just really feeling the vibe, you know? Yeah, dude. Life is a journey, dude. Life's a journey. You just have to surf it. Yeah, I still just drink, like, tap water and... <laughs> Hey man, a couple of fluoride. And, I'm not centered. I'm not it's- centered at all. I'm drinking tap water. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> I don't Jimmy's know. He's a mess. I don't know what I'm putting in my body. But at least he knows when his friends come to the Hamptons, he knows where to go and to go out and have a good time. Yeah, most importantly. Right. Or right. I think I do. He thinks he does. 
you know, have you experienced this when you have friends come and visit and fr- from other places? And it's such a small town, of course. And you go out and everyone's, hey, Ryan, Ryan, what's up, man? Yo, dude, what's up? And your friends probably think you're the mayor of East Hampton <laughs> when you're out here. <laughs> That's like actually what it always is. You're always everybody. When you walk out with anybody, if you're a local, if when your friends come to visit, you're like, holy shit, this town's so small. But when people think of the Hamptons, they don't think of it as this like small town. They think of it as, oh, it's this like prestigious place and all the TV shows. But when you're a local, it's like you're just friends with like, I don't know, 600 other people that are closely in your circle. Correct. And really, that's the whole town. When you go out, you see the same cycles of 20 to 100 people. And it's just that's what it is. You know, these people, you know, the bartenders, you know, the bouncers, you know, the kitchen staff you know the front of the house you know everybody it's like a, a thing you walk into it it's not just like if it's this person or that person it's like kind of just a small community thing i think like, you know more people than i do i'd venture to say but i d- certainly do know a lot of people out here and that's the nice part about coming back and visiting i think is all the people feel. you know definitely a hometown feel and it's a great place to f- it's a great place to feel like that a, a hometown vibe where you really is a small community and and when you walk into a place you do know the bartender you do know the bouncer you do know the server sometimes like it's nice to kind of have that touch but at the same time it's kind of grown out of the reality of what it is out here too we also have this disconnect of they're like you also sell real estate <laughs> I was thinking more lines like there's no housing oh, or like yeah, there's yeah. no, yeah, yeah. There's well, like there's house. Oh, there's housing. <laughs> right. There's a lot of square footage. There's right. There's a lot of housing. If you have millions of dollars. Yeah. But yeah. For like some, which local we both person. do. Right. Right. Many, we, many millions. Right. We both have many millions. So this is definitely not a concern for either one of us. Yeah. Sarcasm. Thanks. That, that coupon code. Right. <laughs> Shout out to the coupon. <laughs> Shout codes. out coupon code. But reality is, there's a lot of weird demographic. It's like you have this weird wealth gap, and then you have the the locals who obviously are trying to look for places to live right now. It's it's a tough spot. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I do always tell people who are not from here that they think it's, you know, when peop- you say you're from here, of course, people think that, oh, you must be a millionaire, and everyone you know must be super rich. And it's not the case. It's, no. you know, a lot of people, you know, it won't surprise people listening, but a, a lot of people who come out in the summers – I guess are that way for sure. It's like all the time I get, Oh, I remember I did a shoot, a photo shoot a couple weeks ago for this company and they had a bunch of these influencers and it was this whole thing. And they were like, Oh, where are you from? I was like, here. Like, what, what do you mean here? Like here, like from where you're at right now, from here, here. I'm like, full yeah. time, full timer. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm from literally here. Like, I don't understand how hard it's just, it, but I understand. But I do understand. Like people and don't say, realize. And they say to you, "But what did you eat?" I was born for in the years. summer. <laughs> <laughs> if this episode doesn't do numbers, it's over for me in this town. <laughs> <laughs> the new series on VH1. <laughs> that's that, that's like exactly what it is now, and that's what it's became. I don't understand it's what be- this. Demographic has just slapped into us. It's like this weird new trance we're stuck out here with, right? Yeah, I guess. But, you know, I just pod for the love, for the love of it. So what were we talking about? We were talking about society, man. Society. Yeah. What What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about society as a, as a cultural whole? Well, we're going to Mars. We're going to Mars. We're getting off this rock. Well, sure. I actually, I am. I'm Do you sorry. Believe that are we uh, actually? We're getting off. We're, well, you're. You think pro- we're you're at, not. 
but I am. <laughs> so you're already connected with a group of people that are getting off this rock. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be on SpaceX or Blue P- Blue Origin. I'm sorry. Blue Dick Rocket. Yeah, or like the... I'm, Whatever. Get, I'm getting on one of these Dick Rockets. <laughs> I'm out of here. And you're out of here. Yeah. No, but also, gonna, would you really leave us all behind? If they were like, Jimmy, we have one spot left and you can leave everybody on this earth behind. The whole earth's going to blow up. This is the asteroid. It's We're done. Would you Would you hop on that or would you die with the rest of us? You know, I want to say something funny like I would leave you all behind, but I probably wouldn't. But I hope someone does. <laughs> I hope someone goes. Bono. Well, Bono. It's going to be Bono. Like. He's going to be like, hello, hello. <laughs> He's just going to be out there talking to the aliens. And that makes sense. <laughs> the rest of us we're stuck we're stuck here we're stuck here we're all stuck there was a couple movies that have portrayed this in the last few years and it's getting scary how real they it, get. and and it's like getting scary like they're so excited about it too it's not fun yeah it's kind i don't of, like it at eerie. all i do like earth i do like Mo- earth too. most parts of it. i wish more people Some would care about earth slightly more than we do i would i would like that a little bit but yeah, you can't always get what you want, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty surface level about it. I mean, I don't get too sentimental, but sometimes, you know, you'll be on a hiking trail or something like that, and you'll see a garbage wrapper. I'm like, oh, man. Like, what a dick, dude. I'm like, come on. This bear is going to choke on this wrapper? That, that's it. Like, I'm not going to build, like, a solar panel <laughs> on my roof of my car. Your- but... I do see, you know, I do see a bottle on the side of the road. I'm like, well, why'd you have to go and do that? Now, it's conscious to the point where you think you could become deeper into it, or that's your max level? That's my max level. That's your max level. You've yeah, probably. Decided. The temperature rose one degree, and I'm like, I get intellectually that it sucks. Like, I get it's not going to be good. But I, I don't. Are we gonna I don't, stop? I don't it? feel it in my gut when they tell me that the temperature went up one degree. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't move. It doesn't move me. Yeah. You know, sometimes like a, a good documentary, like that's when I. That's when I. If they feel were clubbing, it. feel it. If they were clubbing the- baby seals, you would be way more jumping to the cause. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love baby seals. I love baby seals. For the record, Jimmy loves baby seals. Yeah, no, seals. no. And, like, we're going to save the planet. We're going to save the planet. Yeah, Captain gonna, Planet, yeah, specifically. Yeah, Captain Planet's coming, and we're all good. Honestly, that's what I really thought when I was a kid, that Captain Planet was What element would come. you be? Earth. <sighs> fire, dog. <laughs> I should be fire with the red hair. I don't know what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, true. That was a really stupid decision. Can I take that back? Sure. All right, Fire. Nice. What are the other ones? Earth, fire, wind, wind water, air. I mean, Avatar, the last airbender. Like, what are we talking about? I'm pretty windy. I just want to do a little flip-flop back, a little revert, to the actual job now and what you're doing. If you're a musician, and I know you're interested in comedy, you've always been a funny guy, but like, if you're a musician and you've always done music, why not represent more musicians and do music spaces at the stress? No, I don't know if it's the stress. There's a, there's more parties involved, I would say, in the music space. So there's record labels, there's managers, there's agents. You know, I do – a lot of the speakers I work with, they do have literary agents, and some of them do have managers, but there's less cooks in the kitchen, I would True. say, than in the music space. I think if, if you're a musician at a really high level – 
there's a bunch of different people in your life. And I, I think on the speaking space, I like the access we have to the speakers that we work with. Sometimes we're working with agents and other agents and managers and assistants. Um, but most of the speakers that we work with, we're dealing with them directly. So I think I, I like having that direct conduit to them and it just makes them easier to, to work with. Right. And in, in terms of musicians, you find just more enjoyment out of being a lover of music, a consumer of music. Definitely. I, I think there was there was a period where I thought working in music would be the coolest, best thing ever. And I think it, it is a very cool thing. I know people who work in music, and if you're able to work in that space and you love it, I think it's incredible. But just speaking for myself, I'm very content to just be a lover of music. And I am I'm obsessed with music, so... You know, I'm I'm glad to just be that. Right. Now. What what do you would you say have been your favorite shows you've ever been to? Eagles reunion tour two. Get out. No, it was a pretty good show so though. Joe Madison Walsh Square Garden. Yeah, Joe Walsh. He had a nice. little camera on his head film filming the audience. He had a GoPro. He had a it was like a precursor to the GoPro on top of his wow. head. Wow. But in actuality, Legend. what are some of the best shows? <laughs> My first concert ever was Red Hot Chili Peppers at Jones Beach, Holy which kind of ruined concerts for me. That shouldn't yeah, be what? someone's first concert. That shouldn't concert. be your first concert. It's messed up. Mine was in respect Leonard Skinner. Incredible. How was that? <laughs> that was fucking <laughs> so incredible. <good. laughs> like, Pretty Bird. Yeah, and there was only like, you know, there's only a few members that were still alive, of course, after all that plane wreck and all that, but, you know. But the songs are good. The songs They're are classic. Good. Classic. Some of uh, my other favorite shows, I've seen The Who a couple of times are incredible. As you can tell, I like rock music. Ooh, The Who. The Who are awesome. Epic. Seen a bunch of Pearl Jam shows, which have been little incredible. Little Eddie Vedder in your L life? Little Ed Ved. What a legend from our time. That was basically one of the most iconic voices from our time. No doubt about that. If you're a 90s child. New York pound for pound. New York City I'm talking about. One of the best places on earth to see a concert. I mean, there's just so many different venues. I mean, now they all have different names, but they had like Nokia Theater. They Nokia had Theater. the Best Buy Center. They mm -hmm. had the the Radio City Music Hall. They had Beacon Theater. Beacon Theater. They had you know, there's just endless amounts of venues for artists to play at, and that's what makes big cities a very attractive thing for somebody that's not from. A large city. You can go, like we were talking about before, on any given night and see some of the best comedy you've ever seen in your True. life for fucking $20 at the Comedy Cellar or 10 bucks at the Comedy Cellar, and you just got blessed. Like the, It's just that kind of vibe. You can go out to a good restaurant and, and not have to have a reservation. Just sit at the bar and catch a little great dinner from one of, a great, you know, one of the best chefs. It's True. like you can just find these little nooks and crannies if you're smart about how you live your life. It's true, and I think that's why New York City draws people from all over the country, too. It's not just out here. It's drawing people from all over the world. I have friends who I met in New York City who are from other countries, and that's why New York City draws people from all over the place, because there's always something to do. There's more opportunity, especially if you want to work in a field, whether it's the arts or whether it's in finance or whether it's in PR or marketing. I mean, New York is the mecca, and you know, I did my, I did my five-year stint. And, you know, True. seeing those shows yeah, at, at the big too. venues four were years, great, but, years. but, you know, getting to the show and you're 
you know, cramped in the subway and you're so cramped between two people that you don't even need to hold on to anything because you're, you know, Sitting you're on just people. so smushed between two people. That's the downside of living there. But I did love, you know, in all seriousness, I did love my time in New York. Oh. But I, I was ready to, I was ready to bounce. There's an essence to the second you come back and you visit, the second you get off the subway, you smell that air. You smell that like that hot, hot garbage, hot garbagey great mm. air. And you just smell this like beautiful, majestic city. And there's these little wind tunnels and just the sunset coming down. And you, it, there's nothing like it, honestly. And I, and I, you know, living in LA too for a bunch of years, I loved LA too. Just totally different vibe. Everything there feels more vacationy, whereas New York is like you're in the middle of this giant hustle and bustle. You're just like smack dab in the middle of this crazy whirlwind of busy. L.A. is more like, OK, it's spread out. It's more elongated. It's distance. You have miles and miles between each city, but all that counts towards L.A. It's not as condensed as New York is, where it's all on top of each other, all madness all the time. You know, it's, it's a di- little bit different vibe. It definitely is. New York is a grind. As you said, everyone's hustling, working crazy long hours. L.A., well, number one, L.A. is, I always describe it like it's five different cities. It's not one city because right. there's all these different areas. and it's Totally a, different it's vibes It's a 20 to 30 to even an hour long drive, depending on the traffic, to get from the one area of the city to another. So I always True. consider it like it's multiple, multiple different areas. True. And then doing what I do in the talent representation space you know, you try to reach someone on the phone and, you know, good luck reaching them between 12 and 2 because they're taking their two hour long lunches that they do there as well. So they're it's a different, they're hustling. It's a different time. It's a different type of hustle, but I do love Los Angeles, but I've sort of have a similar mentality, you know, just speaking personally that whenever I'm out there, I always just think I'm kind of on vacation mode. It's, I think it's partially because of the weather too. Whenever I'm out there, this is like a very, Oh, it's abused. contagious. This is like an abused New Yorker mentality, but I'm always, whenever I'm out there, I'm like, well, I don't deserve this full time. I don't deserve, I'm not worthy <laughs> right. of this. this Where's the too, hurricanes? Yeah, this is too nice, too <laughs> consistently, and you know, I need seasons and to be miserable and have seasonal it affective disorder. It for was part tough for me. It, it Honestly, people call me crazy. Oh, you know, it was 75 degrees and sunny. I remember there was a year I lived there where it rained four times. Yeah. I was like, wow, this, and it was a drought. We lived through the drought. I, I lived there during the Thomas fire, which was like one of the second largest, third largest fires or whatever at that time. Crazy. I mean, you're living through droughts. You don't even realize. And you're like, oh, it only rained a couple times. The weather's paradise every day. So it's weird. Like you don't go through this seasonal shift in attitude or behavior. When you have a seasonal climate, like when you're living in New York, summer okay wait summer wasn't great you didn't have a great time or whatever happened or you were too busy or something happened you can shed that off because hey guess what the fall is here and this is a whole new time whole new zone whole new, new you feeling whole new you right you can kind of shed and remake yourself whereas if you're in california year round that's just what it feels like even in christmas time it's 75 degrees and like sunny and you're like this is weird I mean, unless you're in Northern California, but Southern California, where yeah. I was living anywhere from like central or Southern California, December is weird too. Cause it doesn't feel Christmassy at all being an yeah. East coast, New Yorker born and raised. It's weird. So there is a lot of those shifts and, and changes that you do see that do cause Again, you to think about spoken those like a bunch of Northeastern people. I would say, I mean, I, again, I, 
personally, I, I love seasons and I feel like I need seasons, but true. I think that's our experience from growing up. I love here snow. In the Northeast I've always loved snow. I'm, I'll never not love snow. I, I love snow weather. I love, you know, mountain skiing, snowboarding. I love all that stuff. So, yeah, I like looking at it. I like being inside when it's really warm and I can look outside the window and say, oh, this looks nice. A little hot chocolate by the fireplace. Hot chocolate. And then once I'm outside in it, I don't like it as much. I think when I was growing up, I liked snow a little bit more. As I get older, I I don't like snow quite as much. Oh, getting a little colder for the bones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a wuss. Whatever. I just love snowboarding. It's such a fun thing to do. I haven't done it in a while. You got to get out there, man, this winter. I did surf. Come up to New Hampshire. I surfed this week. I, I, I did my you once a year. You surfed this week. You did I your did my once, once a year surf. Once a year surf, huh? Yeah. Where'd you go? Private beach? Yeah, my private my private uh, beach. Your I private fear. beach home. Yeah. Million, million, million dollar there beach home. There were millions home. of people also on it, but it was my private. <laughs> it was my own little slice. My own little slice of paradise. But yeah, you know, growing up, I surfed all the time, and now I come back out here and I do my once a once a year. My arms are turned into spaghetti in five seconds because I don't have those muscles anymore. So that's what it really is. Right? And then I'm kind of stuck memory. out there. Well, you basically just case, shit yourself, but in the water in front of 400 people. Think about it that way. I'd rather be safe. I live in D.C. now. I'd rather just get saved <laughs> and deal with the embarrassment. <laughs> right. You just want to go to work. And then hear about it. I could like my mom will tell me that everyone's talking about me. Yeah, and they can that, hear about it secondhand. Well, that's also a thing of a small town, right? That's the curse of a small town. Like we live out in the East End here, it's a small curse. Hey, there's only like a couple hundred people you graduated high school with in that class. It's pretty. Everybody wait, knows wait, everybody. wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that everyone gossips about each other? Ooh, no, no, ooh. no. Ooh, no, never. No, why, no. Why would they do happen. that? No, no, that doesn't happen. We everyone just sort of minds their own business. Oh yeah. Definitely. By the way, not unique to the Hamptons. That's every Every, small town. Yes, every small town. Same same vibe. If I were to change course right now and say, Jimmy Jimbo Strauss, if I gave you an unlimited bag of money and you could do anything you want to any part of the Hamptons, what would be the first few things you would do? Well, you know, we were talking offline about, you know, I thought I knew what all these businesses were. And it turns out I don't because they're all just different businesses now. <laughs> like, for example, you were telling me that Main Beach Surf Shop is no longer even there. So not in Wayne Scott. No. I would just probably restore it to its 2005 form. So it all makes sense to me. So I just bring back if there were stores that got priced out in town in order to make room for. You know, More some, some ridiculous New York City fashion brand. Have you seen the Cartier people in East Hampton Main Street yet? I brought them here. Oh, you brought them? Yeah. They that work, was your they, clients? They, they work for me. Oh, no. they work for you. Um, they but, wear the like the whole outfit out there and they stand out on the Like they're sidewalk. dressed in gold? Like Yeah, in the gold bellhop outfit and they stand wow. outside. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's probably a competitive job to get, though. Competitive. Like you're right there with the guys that flip those signs around and make the guap and they like that's dance. like you probably have to do like a training program where you're the person flipping the sign around just to be the person who's dressed like a watch hundred percent yeah dressed like a yeah watch. that's like the graduate program <laughs> man but hey if they're selling four thousand dollar bracelets a year later i guess and getting some commish i guess it ain't the worst job definitely not the worst but you know i would say that you restored i don't know if i would buy i don't know if i would um 
there's something I feel like it's missing, but I would just be one of those really egocentric rich people who want things just to be the way they were when they were a kid. So I would just restore it to exactly how it was. Interesting. That's a good take though. Imagine, imagine just restoring it and preserving it forever. Just what I think money people would lose if I did that though. (laughs) I think people try to do that, right? They try to do it with the community preservation fund and all these things, but even though they hurt sometimes more than they help, they try to do things, and I think maybe progressively, hopefully we'll see in the future, that we see some kind of urgency because clearly we can't sustain whatever we're doing now. There's no mom and pop anymore on Main Street. There's a difference why you go to other little vacation towns, and there's little mom and pop stores still around and little things you can do. There's not really that culture out here anymore. It kind of dissipated a little bit. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know really, in, in all seriousness, I don't know exactly what I would do to to do it. Probably just buy some big spread on the beach, put up a big fence so the Ron scoundrels can get inside of it. You know, probably like 15 bedrooms, <laughs> like, 50, like 15 bed, 13 and a half bath probably, you know, just... Being up by myself, no in EPA a big regulation, just coal no, powered, no, no, no. No, coal I'm, powered. Lip, Lipa just come like Lipa sending their like cartel members after me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I want to I want to say that I do something good for the community, but it would just be a really big house, like with a really big fence to keep everybody out. At least you're honest about the situation, and you're not a politician <laughs> saying you're going to change everything. At least, hey guys, vote for Jimmy. Jimmy says he's honest. At least he's going to take your donations and just build a fucking house on the beach and keep you out of it. Yeah. I'm a good cause. He's a good call. That's a good fucking cause. Yeah. I would root for that. I don't know. I th- I think that there's just so much momentum for things to just keep going in the direction that they're going. And that's the and sad that's, reality. And that's right? my, that's my message to all of you listening is don't, that is, a don't sad try reality. to change things. <laughs> <laughs> things are going oh, the boy. way they're going to go and just, Pack it up right now. (laughs) Jimmy's like (laughs) being funny and I know him. So he's being hilarious, but he's also being brutally honest to where it is very much both. It is very much like basically you. Yes, you do need to also pack up shop because right now what's what where are we at? No, stick with your dreams. Follow your dreams until you can't afford your mortgage. And then, you know, I don't know why that got dark because it's like it's late. It's true, though. It is true. People need to know the harsh reality. It is a tough town. No, that's what I do. Small town environment. It is. It is tough. Yeah. No, it's 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 amazing out here. But yeah, if if I could have my way and unlimited money, I would just restore it to a certain way that it was. And leave it forever. the, the, The irony is that there are people who were here in 1985 and they would probably say that things were already changed by 2005 and they would want it. Right. Fuck your cell phones and your technology. Exactly. Right. Every era is going to have their gripes. Exactly. And that's when we say, repeat it with me. Okay. Boomer. I would say that that's a perfect way to cap this whole thing off. That's our generation right there. We're just kind of trying to pick up the pieces from the generation before. Right. That's really all we can do. Maybe, you know, I think generational theory is, there's some utility in it, but I think it's a little overblown that there's these very marked generational differences. What do you think about that? Do you think that, you know, we have so, so much in common with people born in a similar time frame as us? Or do you think it's a little bit of a, an illusion? 
I don't know. I would say that there's definitely similarities you can draw, right? Because of the music and the cultural things and all Rugrats. That. Right. <laughs> oh, you like Rugrats? I like Rugrats. Cool. We can be friends. Like, you know, there's all these similar things that you can draw pop culture wise. It's, I think we're just truly a different era, right? When you're talking about being a 90s kid, we went through the dot-com full force. We were the first generation to really take on AOL and dial-up and the Nokia flip phone and playing Snake and adapting through these little touch tones, then to this, then to that. We were the first real users of technology. We were the first generation to get sucked in and fetishized with this absolute empowerment of technology. We were the first ones. So it really is, we're the test dummies to this new generation of the future. So I, I think for us to try to put a label and say we're like this other generation or we're like this and that, it's not really fair. Technology has made everything easier and more manageable. Think about the time and the effort now that's less spent filling, hand filling out paperwork or word processing. Now there's digital files and filing systems and operations management programs and i actually love don't talk smack about paperwork i love paperwork <laughs> yeah, yeah but there's all but it's just there's so many things now that just have skyrocketed like productivity and maybe just or, everything or are we really more productive now though <clears throat> or more or distracted or are people just doing the things that they need to do and then doing a little instagram scrolly wolly are we more distracted that's the overall question jimmy strauss huh I'm just kidding. No, I think undoubtedly we are more distracted, but hopefully if people are still with us after, you know, 45, 50 minutes, whatever this has been, that means they're not distracted and they're ready to listen to some long form content. Yeah. I hope, hope everybody that's ingested this podcast has thought nothing but great thoughts, loves Jimmy Strauss here and myself. And hopefully you're going to take this to the next thing you do, feel inspired, get fired up. And then maybe you can be the next speaker that Jimmy books. Probably not. Probably not. But if you are, hit me up if you have something to say. <laughs> right. But if you but if you do actually sure. make it, if you're one of the, you know, a couple thousand in the room that make it. Then let's talk. Then let's talk. Business. Business. Sure. Biznat. Biznat. Well, Jimmy, talent agent, musician, legend, comic, epic man of proportions. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for pleasure. having me, man. I appreciate it. Cheers. That concludes another episode of Highly Educated, the podcast. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast directly, please contact Ryan at 3milemedia.com. That's Ryan at 3milemedia.com. Advertising's available. Whether you'd like a 30-second slot, a whole episode advertisement, or an entire seasonal sponsorship. We have every path for every business. Give us a contact, ryan at 3milemedia.com.